And in Jesus, he used a lot of a lot of allegories for the kingdom of God is like. Okay, so um, we're going to get into the the prince of Tyrus, which was a, a natural man, and then Ezekiel goes into some foreshadowing of what Satan or Lucifer was like. How many remember when, when Daniel prayed, and it was twenty one days before he got an answer to his prayer? And when um, Michael came to him and said, hey, listen, we were taking care of the prince of Persia, okay, which was a spiritual stronghold. Okay? So you'll see that Ezekiel refers to the prince of Tyrus as Lucifer. So therefore, Lucifer is a spiritual being. A prophet is a seer who sees into the spirit realm. Okay? And, and, and then sometimes what happens is, like for a foreshadowing would be like Noah's Ark resembles the rapture. Rapture of the church. For example, there were eight people that were saved. Isn't that correct? Eight is a number of new beginnings. Isn't that correct? When eight people went into the Ark, God shut the door, right? And then the Ark was lifted above wickedness, was it not? So that's a foreshadowing of the rapture. We know that Enoch walked with God for God took him. He was raptured. Isn't that right? We know that Stephen, the deacon, was translated. From one, or I'm sorry, Philip, the evangelist, was translated from one place to another place. Jesus himself was raptured. He was caught up into the clouds. So we see there is foreshadowing of a future event, okay? Or a foreshadowing of a past event. So when we read Ezekiel 28, I'm going to read to you, starting with verse 1, and it says this, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, so it's the Spirit of God speaking to Ezekiel the prophet, and he said, Son of man, say unto the prince of Tyrus, Thus says the Lord God, because thy heart is lifted up, and thou hast said, I am a God, I sit in the seat of God in the midst of the seas, yet thou art a man, and not God. Thou set thy heart as the heart of God. Behold, thou art wiser than Daniel. There is no secret that I can hide from thee. With thy wisdom and with thy understanding, thou hast gotten thee riches and hast gotten gold and silver into thy treasuries. By thy great wisdom and by thy traffic hast thou increased thy riches and thy heart is lifted up because of thy riches. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because thou hast lift thy heart up as the heart of God, behold, therefore, I will bring strangers upon thee, the terrible of the nations. They shall draw their swords against the beauty of thy wisdom, and they shall defile thy brightness. They shall bring thee down into the pit, and thou shalt die the deaths of them that are slain in the midst of the seas. Wilt thou yet say before him that slayeth thee, I am God? But thou shalt be a man and no God in the hand of him that slayeth thee. Thou shalt die the deaths of the uncircumcised by the hand of strangers. For I have spoken it, says the Lord God. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. So you see where he's getting into foreshadowing here. For thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. 
Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle and gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee the day that thou was created. So this is, he's describing Lucifer. He's describing Satan. That when he was created, he was created with all these jewels. And he was created with pipes with him. So when he walked, he made music. Wow. He said, The workmanship of thy tabrets and thy pipes were prayed, prepared in the, in the day that thou was created. Thou art the anointed cherub that, over, that, that covereth, and I have set thee so... Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down the midst of the stones of fire. Remember me ever saying that Satan has walked among the fiery stones of God and turned out a flake? This is where I got it from. Thou wast perfect in all thy ways from the doubt that thou was created till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise they have filled the midst of, with violence, the midst of thee with violence and thou hast sinned. Therefore I cast thee out profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thy heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thy iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore I will bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee. And I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. And all that know thee among the people shall be astonished to thee that thou shalt be a terror and never shalt thou be any more. Okay. So that's describing Lucifer. But if you noticed, okay. So the pre-Adamic race was a race that wasn't the human race. They were human-like, but they were not human beings created in the image of God. So when you read Genesis 1.1 and Genesis 1.2, there seems to be a recreation of the earth. In other words, the earth is here, but everything on it was destroyed because Satan was cast down. Okay? So we obviously see that, that Lucifer was in charge of many angels. At least one-third went with him. Demons are fallen angels. That's what they are. Okay, so ever heard of the term a tohu bohu, which means total chaos? Okay, so when Satan decided to lift his throne above the throne of God, God said, boom. And Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, I saw Satan fall like lightning to the earth. So when he came, because obviously he had access between the throne of God and his throne on the earth, and he was in charge of commerce that was here on the earth. And he had a lot of merchandise. He was selling of merchandise. It's no by coincidence that now we're in, we're in commerce wars with foreign countries. Hello. That's right, that's right. Come on now. Billions of dollars are made every day from international commerce. Goods being bought and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes it's, not, it's, not what, you, it's, it's what you don't know that can be in your hand that can actually turn you into a millionaire. Let me give you an example. Jesse, do that. Give me an example. Have you seen these books called free? These free books. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anybody look through these books at all? Yeah. One. How many look? Two. Three, four, five, six. Did anybody ever think about picking this book up and taking it home? Yes. 
Nobody. 15 minutes a week. <laughs> Warren Buffett developed this. Wow. Really? And this guy is a multi-multi-millionaire because he followed rule number one in investing. When we lived in Chicago, I invested $10,000 according to rule number one in Apple stock. I was making investments in the stock market, never lost anything. I broke even because I wasn't called to be a stockbroker. And then I had a preacher friend tell me that it was high risk, and I knew it was high risk. But rule number one teaches you to invest in companies as a business owner. You as a stockholder or an investor. You own part of the stock or part of the business that you're investing in. Unfortunately for me, I wasn't patient enough. Because rule number one is based upon long-term investing. And basically what you do is you buy a stock low, you sell it when it goes high. Hello. When it drops back down, you buy it, and when it goes back high. So I'm not really sure if somebody really ought to get this book. Because possibly you might become a millionaire. Isn't that interesting? So I'm just going to put this book on the table here because you never know who my... Andrew, make a copy of rule number one. Rule number one. Isn't that interesting? In the midst of a book, there's a book that's there. And nobody knew. See? That's what nobody knew. Okay? And so... If you follow it, and you can start out with 100 bucks, you can start out with $500, you open yourself a Ameritrade account. Wow. You know, you don't have to have $1,000 to start. Usually it's 100 bucks. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I mean, that's... that's so in other words, it's commerce. It's business. Uh, so I own part of Apple stock. I, I own part of some other companies as well, too. I don't do it. I'm not, not now. I mean, we have, you know, um, Roth IRAs. So there you go. All right, so I'm going to give you three facts about seed faith, and I think this will help you, all right? Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says this, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. What is seed faith? Seed faith is when you plant a seed with the expectation of receiving a harvest. So we live in strawberry country. Matter of fact, we're the winter strawberry capital of the world. As long as... People don't keep buying the land here in Plant City and building big warehouses. I mean, these farmers are selling the land like crazy. So it's going to change. It's going to change. It'll change. It'll change. Eventually, Brandon will meet Plant City, and Lakeland will meet Plant City, and then all the strawberry fields will be gone, and then what are they going to do? They're no longer the winter strawberry capital of the world. You've got to be real careful sometimes about this economic increase. It could be very detrimental to some things in the community. A farmer who sows a corn or seed in the field always expects to harvest a corn. And it's not just one kernel. You take one kernel, plant it in the ground, and the way God is, is he multiplies. Okay? So how to recognize your seed. See, sometimes we think that money is just the seed. Isn't it? Money is just part of seeds. Your seed is anything or part of anything you have received from God that you can sow into somebody else. And sometimes it's what's in your hand that can make you a multimillionaire. It's like Andrew and I were talking, and he said he knows the guy that developed the formula for the bang drink. That's cool. He showed me. He said he saw his lab and everything, and how he developed all that. And now he's got a multi three million, four million dollar warehouse 
just makes this chemical. Wow. Isn't that amazing? For example, love is a seed. Time is a seed. Money is a seed. Acts of kindness is a seed. Honesty is a seed. Thankfulness is a seed. Buying a meal for someone is a seed. Taking groceries to a family is a seed. Taking a plate of fresh baked cookies to your neighbor and inviting them to come to church is a seed. Giving of your talent is a seed, etc., etc. There will never be a day in your life that you will have nothing. A person may be impoverished like the widow in 1 Kings 17, 9 through 15, but she had a handful of meal and a little oil. Not only that, she had something very powerful, incredible, and rare. She had the ability to discern the man of God. She had the ability to to listen to the man of God. She had the ability to obey the man of God. And because she did these three things, she and her whole household ate for three and a half years. Ability to discern the man of God, ability to listen to the man of God, and ability to obey the man of God. And because she did these three things, because what did he say? Give me, make me a little cake first. First. He didn't say give me the whole meal. That's right. (laughs) He said just make me a little bit first. Why? Because God has to have a seed from you to get a harvest to you. That's good. good. There's two small fish and five barley loaves, but what are they among so many? Well, anytime you place a seed into the hand of Jesus, it will always multiply because a creator has to create. To remember, the seeds that you sow today will count for the harvest you receive tomorrow. Amen. Sow bad seed, you're going to get a bad harvest. Many, many, many times people that are incarcerated is because they sowed bad seeds. You have to remember that the seeds of yesterday, I mean the waves of yesterday will wash up in your shores of your life for a time. The time period is sowing good seeds so you can have a good harvest. That's right. Your seed is the tool that God has given you to, to create your future. 1 Samuel 17.38 says this, And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put a helmet on a, a brass upon his head, and he also armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he said, and he said Go, for he had not proved... And David said unto Saul, I cannot with these, for I have not been proved with them. And David put them off. And he took his staff in his hand, and he chose five smooth stones out of the brook, put them in the shepherd's bag, which had been even in an, even a scrip, and his sling was in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine, and he killed the Philistine. Why? Because he was proven. What are you proven with? When Marie and I, we went to Ramah, we had our business for about 12, 13 years. So I'd been proven on how to start a cleaning business, and we had worked that cleaning business to the point that it was making about $10,000 a month. We had five employees, 13 houses. We had 13, 14 offices, and we had been proven. So I went to the Lord, and I said, well, I'm called to go to the Bible school. What do you want me to do? I said, you want me to get a job? And he said, well, what's your armor? It's a cleaning business. He said, well, you give away your business, but keep what you need. Go, to, go up to Oklahoma and start over again. So that's what we did. So David's seed tool was a slingshot that took him from being a shepherd boy, tending sheep, to receiving a reward, reward of great riches. The king's daughter and his whole household was free from taxes. In <laughs> one day, he went from the meadow to the palace. Then ultimately he became king of Israel. Remember this, that which you already possess or possess is your key to your future and you must find it. It may be knowledge, it may be money, 
It may be certain skills. It may be a business idea, an insight, or a concept. Number three, when you let go of what's in your hand, God will let go of what's in his hand. Deuteronomy 16, 17 says this, Every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord thy God which he hath given thee. Did you know that actually in the New Testament, in in the Bible, that there is actually a gift of giving? God anoints people to make money to advance the kingdom of God. It's a gift. It's like like a five-fold ministry gift. It's, it's it's, It's part of the gift. That God anoints you to make money for the gospel. To remember that, you know, I always have to remember, especially when you come into a lot of money, money is a tool. God doesn't mind you having a lot of money as long as the money doesn't have you. And John 6, 9 says this, There's a lad here which hath five barley, five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? And John six twelve he says, Then we were filled. He said to the disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain nothing to be lost. Jesus did this miracle twice in Mark six forty four. And in Matthew 15, 38. Five steps to a complete financial completion cycle. Number one, you must be a seeker. Matthew 6, 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And John 5, 8 says, I would seek unto God, and unto God I will commit my cause. Be a seeker. Number two, you must be a bringer. Malachi 3.8, Will a man rob God, yet you've robbed me, but we say we have robbed thee in tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse, you've robbed me this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me, says the Lord of hosts, if I not will open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there not be room enough to receive it. You have to understand that if you live in the United States of America, and if you have a house, and you have carpet in your house, or tile in your house, and you have a refrigerator in your house, and you have food in your refrigerator, and if you own a car, you got gas in your car, you're more wealthy than most of the people of the world. Because prosperity is perspective. It's perspective. You are blessed, really, really blessed than most people. And it's all about perspective. If you have an iPhone, you're, you are really blessed. If you have a computer in your home, if you have a laptop computer, you're blessed. If you can walk into your closet and pick whatever you want out of your closet, you're blessed. If you have more than one pair of shoes, you're really blessed. Come on, hello somebody. It's all about perspective. Mm-hmm. So you must be a bringer. Number three, you must be a giver. Luke 6.38, Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men given to your bosom. That's right. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it should be measured to you again. So you have to understand, that's gonna, the finances and blessing is going to come through the hands of men. So if you go through a McDonald's and somebody in front of you pays your meal for you, you are blessed. If somebody gives you a gift card to Chick-fil-A, you are blessed. Hello, come on, hello somebody. If you get a discount... You're blessed. That's the favor of God. I call it the fog. Favor of God. Come on, if you come across and you find discounts, it's the favor of God. If you get coupons, you find on the internet and you apply it and you get 20% off, that's the favor of God. Thank you. <laughs> Amen, sister. She's getting it. 
If you give to those in need and give to those who are poor, God will make you rich. The Bible says if you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord. You lend to the Lord. Like today I was at one of the job sites and a homeless guy came up and he's like, hey, can I have like 50 cents to get some coffee? And he said, I don't want any money or anything like that. And I, so Ty says to me, he said, well, let's see, are you hungry? And he said, oh, I'm not really asking for anything. He doesn't ask for 50 cents for, I'm not really asking for anything. So Ty brings him out a sandwich and brings him out a drink. And he said, oh, man, this is awesome. I made it out today. Give to the poor, you lend to the Lord. And I last time I read the Bible, it says he pays good wages. God pays good wages. So number one, you must be a seeker. Number two, you must be a bringer. Number three, you must be a giver. Number four, you must be a sower. Second Corinthians 9, 6 says this, But he that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according to as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or not of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. I had an employee this week tell me that they didn't go into work for two days because... The company put, you know, they didn't, they didn't need us there. But I had already paid them for two days. You know what I did? I didn't take the money back. I said, be blessed. Well, amen. Come on, hello somebody. Yeah. I had another employee, so many hours, and I couldn't get the right number. So instead of rounding low, I rounded it up. Whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap. He is El Shaddai. He is not El Chipo. Come on, hello somebody. Amen. Listen, I learned a very, very valuable lesson. Uh, Probably, I think it was three years ago. We were at a Word and Spirit conference. And the finances were a little tight because some of the monies weren't coming in for the conference. So I took these ministers out, and instead of putting like 20, you know, 10%, I think I put maybe 8% or something, instead of tipping 10%, I put tipped 8%. Well, come to find out where this other person was working at, um, they were working together, and the person came to me, and, and, this, and the server went back and told all the servers, that's the reason why I don't go to church, because I get stiffed. I found out about it. You know what I did? Number one, I apologized to the person. And number two, I gave them double. And, then, and they were absolutely blown away because I went back because I knew, you know, I was trying to save some money. Hello. So I learned a valuable lesson. So now it's 20% every time. 20%. Not 20%, not 10%, not 15%. 20% every time. Amen. Amen. You do, a lot of servers don't like Christians coming in on Sundays. <laughs> they stiff you. They stiff you. Little tracks. It's so funny, do you know? When I start Sunday mornings, I want to be in church so bad. God will just sit. But I have people that come in and they're all of a sudden holier than 
Thou, you know, they treat me like, and I still do my sorrow too, but I've had sharp remarks and all kinds of one bad Oh my gosh. Because I couldn't hear on my ear very good. The stat was roaring to the place packed. And I said, I wish I was in church also. And the wife, I guess, gave me some extra last day. Mm-hmm. So here's the deal. Those tracks that says $100 bills, throw them away in the trash. That is the worst testimony ever because you sit that underneath there. That, ex- that, that server gets excited. Oh, my gosh, that left me a $100 bill. And opens it up or whatever it says. And that is so wrong. Yeah. Now, it wouldn't be wrong if there was a real $100 bill tucked in the track that said 100 But, I, yeah, you understand? I would rather put a little note or something like that. I wouldn't even use that track because they may think they got 200 bucks. So <laughs> it's wrong. Just throw that away. Whoever came up with that idea, it's wrong. Did you ever get one of those? No, no thank God, right? And Perry, ruin your day, you know? Amen! <laughs> round up. Don't round down. I, I don't understand it why somebody actually... What's your tithe? It's $29.78. You can't round it to 30 <laughs> yeah, Hello. Can you round up a little bit? I mean, come on now. Like, you need those extra five cents, right? May God help us all. Hallelujah. Number five, you must be a receiver. Can you believe it? People have a hard time receiving from people. How many in this room ever said somebody they wanted to do something from you? Said, oh, man, that's okay. You don't have to do that. Okay, the next time you do that, call me. I'll take your blessing. Praise God. Amen. Just call. Pastor will take that. Praise God. Pastor will take that. Amen. You really don't want it. Listen, we're on our knees and saying, God bless me. Then all of a sudden, somebody wants to give you something. Hello? Oh, you don't have to do that. Yeah. I'm starting to believe people now. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's the way I'm answering now. Oh, okay. We'll give that back to me. <laughs> give it back to me. I'll take it. Thank you very much. No, I've had some people, we were helping some people out, and I had somebody look me in the face and said, I wish this would have came from anybody else beside you. That's, I should have said, give me back. Give it, give it back. I'll give it to somebody that's more appreciative. Amen. Come on, you must be a receiver. Mark chapter 10, verse 13. But he shall receive a hundredfold in this time with houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children with lands, with persecutions, and in the world life to come. We love the blessings, but we don't like the persecution that comes along with it. I've noted, I'll be honest with you, every time somebody persecutes us, it's like the income goes up. I, mean, I don't know. Just The blessings of heaven just go up. I mean, I'm like, okay, this is cool. Amen. Amen. So persecute some more. Call us a cult one more time. Please just tell us. Tell them don't go down to that church. They roll on the floor and they laugh uncontrollably. Oh, just come on. Just come on. Just come on. Persecute us some more. I'm sorry. You don't win as many souls as we do. Hello. Come on now. Persecute us. Amen. 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 So... Number one, be a seeker. Number two, be a bringer. Number three, be a giver. Number four, be a sower. And number five, be a receiver. If somebody wants to do something for you, let them. That's the blessing of heaven. God's trying to get something to you. Can you say amen? Amen. 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 All right, any questions about what we discussed? Okay, I have one. Um, You must be a receiver. Mm -hmm. I was always taught to be a giver, but for some reason, someone keeps like, I'm like, I got to give. But when I'm driving somebody that's... um, a widow or something like that. I was I was taught to respect and that God would provide the need. And they keep trying to say, 
to receive this blessing from them and please take the gas money. So am I like messing myself up by receiving money from somebody that would be considered a woman no. that says no. no, but I'm receiving the blessing? Yes, you are. Okay. Yeah, you're receiving. If they want to do something for you, you say thank you. Oh, plus you're allowing them to sell. Yeah. Oh, until they're getting back to And you're still selling your time. Right. Yeah. If somebody does something for you really big, call them on the phone and say thank you. Or do a thank you note. Be appreciative of somebody instead of having the sense of entitlement. Come on, hello somebody. If somebody does something for you, say thank you. I really appreciate it. I usually feel very humble. You know? Thank you will go a long way. Yes.